We want to thank Brother Joe for singing that particular song as we talk about anchoring down in the storms of life. There are several verses that I want to call attention to this evening as we think about that theme of anchoring down in the storms of life. As you well know, life is not always perfect. And there are many things that seem to come our way that, that literally want to knock us down to the ground. And there are occasions in life when we face what might be best called a, a storm, the storms of life. And so in the storms of life, we need an anchor. We need something that's going to be able to stabilize us and something that's going to get us through those storms or trials that seem to come our way that we're experiencing. And we first begin by talking, first of all, about how we need to be anchored to the Savior. I don't believe that there is anything better to anchor our souls to than Jesus the Christ. The passage that was read just a few moments ago in Hebrews, the sixth chapter, talks about Jesus the Christ as the, the Son of God. who is, as the Hebrew writer described, as our anchor of the soul. And listen to what he says concerning this anchor of the soul, that he is both what? Sure and steadfast. Again, there is no one better to be able to anchor our souls to than Jesus Christ. The word sure is used by the writer here to, to mean secure or safe. And that word steadfast carries with it the idea of a firm or stable idea. There are some things that come to mind as I contemplate these particular terms. First of all, I think that we can be secure in knowing that Jesus the Christ will always be there for us as the anchor of the soul. I, that's just, un, there's no doubt. The Lord is not going to abandon us. He will not walk away from us, but he will be there strengthening us in those times of difficulty. I think also about the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ can bring stability to a life that is literally in the throes of a storm. Someone has best described the problems that we face in this life by saying that there are three kinds of people that you meet in life. People that are about to have problems, people that are having problems, and people who are coming through problems. That's just about sums it all up. We might be in one of those three cases. It may be the case that you don't have a storm going on in your life right now, but hang on, it's coming. Hang on. Sooner or later, just brace yourself, a storm will come, and when that storm comes, 
you're going to need an anchor. You're going to need an anchor for that soul. We understand the fact that this anchor is not just stable or firm or secure, but we're talking about a strong anchor as well. It might be the case that some anchors under pressure, resistance or whatever, they just might break. But let me tell you, the anchor that we have in Christ will never break. It is not going to break. It is not going to give away, but rather it's going to give, be there through that duration of that storm that we're going to be facing if we're not facing it already. The Hebrew writer in Hebrews 13, 5 said, speaking on the behalf of the Lord, he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Those are words of comfort. Those are words that tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ will be with us come what may. And so anchoring down in the storms of life and really anchoring to the Lord Jesus Christ, it ought to be comforting to us. It ought to be encouraging for us to know that we have an anchor to whom that we can pray for refuge, to know that he'll be there for us, come what may. There's a second thing I want to share with you, and that is the fact that we need an anchor to the Scriptures, to the words of Jesus. Ever thought about how the Scriptures are intended to inspire and encourage us? We go back to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, and we find what Paul was writing to the young Timothy when he said that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So that we, you and I, as the man of God, can be complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Just think for a moment about the scriptures. This book we call the Bible, that which is cast aside by so many, is extremely important. It's beneficial. It can bless our lives if we allow it. If we allow it. And what Paul was saying here in 2 Timothy 3 of how this book can profit you. Well, somebody says, well, how so? Well, I think about the Old Testament and the value of reading and studying and really meditating upon the Old Testament scriptures where Paul was saying in Romans 15, 4, that whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. So that we can understand, what? That we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, what? Might have hope. Think again about the storms of life that come our way from time to time. The trials, the tribulations, the difficulties that we face, the anxieties of life. And to know that we can go back to the Old Testament. We can look to the New Testament. We can be inspired. We can be encouraged. We can, really our fears can be calm altogether. A couple of things I want to share with you along the, these lines. First of all, that there are some biblical examples that we find that help illustrate that matter to us 
in such a way that we can understand. These are people that have weathered the storms of life. Sometimes I think when we read about certain biblical characters and we have the idea that they were maybe superhuman somehow. Because we, we think that, boy, if I was in that position, I don't think that I would have made that same choice. And so we would think that they're somewhat superhuman, that they were not ordinary people. But there's no doubt that the people that you read about, many of these people are spiritual giants. But listen, they had feet of clay just like you and I. They did. They had their trials. They had their tribulations. They had their temptations, their struggles, their anxieties, just as we do today. You can go back. You can look at some of these biblical characters and you can see just how they have responded in anxiety and, or adversity. And you can see how they made it through those storms of life. And you can learn from that. That's what Paul was saying about the Old Testament. When you go back and you read, for example, about people like Joseph. Uh, we've talked about Joseph so many times, but you know what? It's not enough. Because he's a good example of somebody. You know, 17 years of age, a, a favorite son of his father that was sold into the hands of the Ishmaelites and the Midianites in Genesis 37. He ends up in the land of Egypt. And in Genesis 39, we find him laboring in the household of Potiphar. He's been sold out, as we would say, by his own brothers. The father that loved him dearly thinks he is dead. Jacob even said that I'll go down to my grave in mourning. But yet Joseph was alive. He just didn't know it. But he's in Egypt and he's serving under Potiphar. It was Potiphar's wife that lied about him. And what did that bring but imprisonment? Some two years in prison. But in chapter 39 of the book of Genesis, three times it is said in that chapter that the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 2, verse 21, verse 23. You think about 17 years of age. Being separated from your home, your family, your friends. You think about being in a foreign land with people you do not know, people who have bought you and are treating you like a slave. And to know that even though your own flesh and blood have sold you out, that the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. That's what Moses said in Genesis 39, 23 about Joseph, that the Lord was with them. And not only was the Lord with them, but he prospered and he was successful in life. There's a second person I think about in the Old Testament, and we're all familiar with Job, the life of Job. And you can read about Job chapters 1 and 2 and quite honestly I don't know how this poor man made it when I think about a father that had to bury his 10 children 
He was a wealthy man, but he lost it all. He had been a healthy man, but he lost his health. And even his wife had said, why don't you just curse God and die? Basically, just commit suicide because your life ain't worth living. Because some reason, God is causing this on you. It would seem to some that the world was against Job. He had three friends that came to mourn with him and they offered their reasonings as to why these calamities have happened to him as well. There's a statement made by that patriarch that I think that we ought to hold on to. Because in Job 13 and verse 15, Job said, Though he slay me, Yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. Let me ask you a question. Was Job facing a storm of life? Yes, indeed. But it wasn't just a storm. It was a hurricane. When you really think about it. And yet that man made it through it. How did he make it through but with the help of God? Even though he thought it was God that brought all that upon him. Let me give you another example. What about David? When we talk about David... Typically in our minds, we will conjure up uh, the thoughts expressed in Scripture that he was a man after God's own heart. Yes, he was when he was young. Later on years, I don't believe that he was a man after God's own heart until later once he repented. He was, by all means, the greatest king over the United Kingdom that is the kingdom of Israel. Oh, David had his flaws, but so do we. He had his problems in life, so do we. But if you read the Psalms, you'll grow to appreciate and love David as a person. I want to encourage you, if you will, when you face the storms of life, go back and read the life of Joseph. Go back and read the book of Psalms and the book of Job. Let let me give you just a couple of passages of Scripture. In Psalm 56 and verse 3, David said, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. When the storms are beating down upon you, and you ask the question, How am I going to be able to get through this and weather this storm? It will be by my health, or no, it could be my health is failing me. It could be that I'm having financial difficulty. It might be that I've lost a job. It might be that I've lost a mate. I might have lost a child. I might have lost a, a, a mate, a loved one, or a friend. How am I going to get through this? David said, whenever I'm afraid... I trust in you, God. 
In Psalm 57, verse 1, there's another statement made by David. And David said, Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. What is David saying here? He is saying, My life is turned upside down. I've got all kinds of problems, and the storms are howling outside. But I'm going to take refuge in Jehovah God and I want to stay in that place of refuge until these calamities have passed by me. Sometimes we are driving and a storm will arise and the rain will literally beat down hard that we might have to pull underneath an overpass and stop for just a little while. I have seen it rain so hard, the windshield wipers couldn't go fast enough for me to be able to see the car in front of me. And usually when it rains that hard, there's a little bit of fog as well. I have to stop. I have to get my senses back and allow maybe that storm to pass on by. What are we doing? We're waiting for that storm to subside. That's what David is saying here. Until that storm subsides, I'm going to find a refuge under the wings of Almighty God. Would you think about another statement of David that David has made? We're talking about anchoring down in the storms of life. And anchoring down to our Savior, and then anchoring down to the Scriptures. Listen to what David said in Psalm 56, verse 9. This I know, for God is with me. When the storms of life come our way, sometimes it's easy just for us to step back and wonder, is God with me? Is God for me? Sometimes it's easy to question, am I battling this thing alone? What David is saying is this, that no matter what comes my way, there's one thing I do know, that God is with me. God is with me. Here's another example, a New Testament example. Paul was a great man in a lot of ways. He wasn't a perfect man, but he was a good man. And Paul faced a lot of adversity in life. He once was a persecutor of Christians. And then later, he became the persecuted. We talk about the storms of life and anchoring down in our lives. When I read the life of Paul, I see somebody that anchored down. You remember in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 1 and following, when he talked about that thorn in the flesh? He said that that thorn in the flesh had been given to him by the Lord to buffet him. 
And he said in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 12, he says, And lest I should be exalted above measure, though the abundance or through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might be that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness, and most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon thee, me. It's interesting when he said, My grace is sufficient for thee. Sometimes we turn to God and our lives are in an upheaval and the storms are battering down and we pray to God like Paul and what we have to take away from what Paul said is that God's grace is sufficient. In all ways. God's grace is sufficient. It'll get us through this. We read in Hebrews 4 and verse 16 where the writer had said, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so Paul is an example of someone who turned to God. And then I think about what happened in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 11 when he talked about the persecutions and the afflictions that he faced at Antioch. He said, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. You remember in chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, he said that at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me their preaching might be fully known. And that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. What was Paul saying there? He is saying that you can trust in God. By putting your faith and trust in God, you can anchor your life to the Lord to become sure and steadfast. Because he is sure and steadfast. And so here's some examples of people that have faced some storms of life. And guess what? They got through them. Oh, it may be the case that we wonder how in the world are we ever going to get through this storm. But we do. We make it. There are three characteristics of God that we ought to never forget 
And first of all, that God is omniscient. That means that he's all-knowing. If God is all-knowing, that means he knows every single thing about me, right? Jesus said in Matthew 10 and verse 30, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. The psalmist said in Psalm 139 verse 4, for there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O God, thou knowest all it, it all together. God knows everything. That means that when I'm facing the storms of life and my life is being battered and beaten down, the Lord knows it's happening. The Lord knows it. There's a second thing. Not only is the Lord omniscient, he's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. He's everywhere. There is nowhere you can go on planet earth to escape the very presence of God. Nowhere. That means if you're going to the four corners of the globe, the Lord God knows exactly where you are. He knows he is the best GPS system that could ever be out there, right? He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly where you're going through and he is there or what you're going through and he's there with you. That, this is a tremendous, tremendous blessing. And then... To know that God is omnipotent, which means that he's all-powerful. God has the power to get you through, to get me through whatever struggles I'm facing in this life. Do you believe that? Do you believe in the power of God that he has the ability to respond to our prayers, to providentially get us through the problems and the trials of life. Absolutely. So to know that we serve a God that is there for us. And then I think about the words of Peter in 1 Peter 5, 7, where Peter said, casting all your care upon him, for he careth. For you, I think every single word in the scriptures is relative and important. Peter said, casting all. And that means every single solitary case that you have or care that you have in this life. Every single solitary storm that you face in this life. You have the right. You have the privilege. You have the opportunity to cast it on Jehovah God. Peter said, casting all your care upon him. And why is that? For he cares for you. No doubt. The Lord cares for you. He cares for all of us. To know that we have a God in heaven who is acutely aware of everything that we're experiencing in life. And he cares. The third thing is that we need to be anchored to the saints. I want you to know I'm thankful to be a member of this church. It's a blessing. And it's a blessing to be a member of this congregation. I believe that. I understand that the church is made up of people and in 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15 Paul talks about the household of God. And in Ephesians 2 and verse 19, Paul would say, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. I know that we are a divine family, 
that we are a part of the body of Christ. And I'm grateful for this church. And I really believe that this congregation is a great church. But what makes it great? It's the people. Are we perfect? No. But we sure have a lot of stuff going for us. We are blessed. There's not another church anywhere that has as much to offer as this church. Could we do more? Yes. But we sure have a lot of things that are going on for which we are to be grateful. Then I think about the storms of life, to know that as God's family, there are some things that we can do for one another. You just can't find that in the world. I I had to reflect back to West Freeway Church of Christ and what just happened last Sunday and to know that there was many in that congregation that were looking out for each other. If you didn't see the video, watch it. It is disheartening. But it's also encouraging to see how fast those people responded. They couldn't have done that without the proper measures of being prepared for something like that. The storms of life. You just can't find the kind of God's family that we have out there in the world any more than what we have. There's a passage of Scripture found in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 25. I want you to listen to what Paul said. Now, Paul was an an inspired apostle. We talk about the greatness of the apostle Paul, but here is Paul, Paul the Christian, Paul the servant, Paul the evangelist, Paul the brother. And here's what he said. Brethren, pray for us. That's exactly what the West Freeway Church of Christ said. Brethren, pray for us. Paul wanted those people to pray for him. I covet your prayers, and I want you to know I thank God for you, and I'm grateful to God for every single prayer that you have offered up on my behalf and continue to offer up on my behalf because I, as well, need your prayers. But to know that as God's people, we can pray for one another. Jesus said that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Luke 18, 1. Really what he is saying here is that we ought always to pray and not to get discouraged. When the storms are howling in life, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get down. But we can pray for one another. There's a second thing that we can do, and that is that we can encourage one another. Wasn't that long ago I talked about Barnabas. When you think of Barnabas, what comes in mind? Well, Barnabas had a tremendous heart and he was an encourager. There are some folks that just had the ability to encourage and we know who they are. 
but as we have different ones who encourages us, Paul would say in Romans 12, 15, that we are to rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that do weep. He's saying there that we can be there for one another. But then thirdly, we can help one another. This congregation has, has done a lot to help people financially. Can we help everybody? No. But we have done all that we can, when we can, to help people who have experienced financial loss or property loss. Whether it was in Texas or Louisiana with the floods, Gatlinburg with the fires, Bahamas with the hurricanes, and so many more. Paul said in Galatians 6 and verse 10 that as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men and especially unto them that are of the household of faith. Let me close tonight by saying this. You better anchor down. You better anchor down. You better anchor down in the storms of life because if you're not in the storm right now, you will be one day. And why is that? Well, because of the world in which we live. It's not a perfect world. And there are a lot of things that can literally turn your life upside down. And you know what? One of the things that I have learned about this life is this, that everything can be going great today and tomorrow my whole world could be turned upside down. So you better anchor down, button down the hatches, as they say, and be prepared. If you're here tonight and not a Christian, I, I don't know what I don't, I don't know what would keep you from wanting to become one. We can only hope that you would experience the idea that Jesus will be there for you at any time for any reason. If only you approach him in the way that he has asked you to approach him. And first off is by believing in him. Believing that he is the son of God. That he did come to this earth to seek and to save those who are lost. And that might be you. And upon that believing that he is the son of God. That you'll repent of those sins. That you'll make that good confession of the sweet name of Jesus, that he is the Son of God, and then go down into the waters of baptism to have those sins washed away, Acts twenty two sixteen, To be able to have the remission of sins or the forgiveness of sins, Acts two thirty eight, and so forth. Knowing that when you come up out of the waters of baptism, you're a Christian, a child of God. To then to be able to live a faithful Christian life in hopes of heaven when you die or the Lord comes back whenever that might be. If you hear already a child of God and you wandered away, come back. Be restored back to that first love. Jesus' blood that was shed on that cross continues to cleanse you as long as you repent and pray. Can we help you even tonight? Won't you come? As together we stand and sing.